This is one-on-one with Stevie Fro, episode 24, Michael Zimmerman. Welcome back to the one-on-one with Stevie Fro podcast. We are joined today by Newport Central Catholic great Michael Zimmerman. Michael, how are you? Pleasure to be here. It's uh, like I told you before when we talked on the phone, man, this is, uh, this is a very cool thing you got going on here, something special. So I hope this thing continues to grow, man, and I'm, uh, I'm privileged to be here. Well, I do appreciate it. I've known Michael all his life, pretty much. I used to ref his football games with the firefighters back in the day where your dad used to dress you up with all the pads. You'd be out there with the... I had a neck roll. You had the, I was good. <laughs> for like two years. It was it was the worst. You, you had it all. I mean, it was the worst. By the way, before we get into this, who where's that theme music from? Um, it's just this you German just, musician that I happened to nice. catch somewhere. and I was just curious how yeah. you guys... Uh, I saw it on a... Uh, on a YouTube, it was not that song specifically, but his music was played on a through a YouTuber, and I just happened to check it out and went through and and so now I do um, I subscribe through his Patreon, so I have uh, rights to do oh cool use any of his stuff, which is I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs. This is some young dude like in his twenties and lives in Germany and just puts out bangers. Technology is amazing. Isn't it? It's unbelievable, and you know you think about. Before the advent of YouTube, and even just 10 years ago, if you tried to find anything, you would have to do it. It would have to be custom made. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Because you can't use, and, and, and some people have asked, why don't you just use uh, like an ACDC song? Well, you can't because it's copyrighted. Right. So. Um, no, I would, digress. Sorry about that. I no, was just curious. No. When I, I've listened to a few episodes and it, uh, We've had a couple, we've had a couple things. We've had a couple things here where Jeremy said, we need a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. We were, we were getting into something. I can't remember. What was that, Jeremy? I I can't remember what it was either. We were Uh, into something. We were talking about something and I was like, did we Oh, I know it was, we had Brandon Gray on from North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And the people at North Carolina through the basketball program had heard it and well, because he works for the men's basketball program, and we are high school coaches, that is technically an NCAA violation. So it got to you need a lawyer for everything. These yeah, days. it got. We were thinking like, do we have to take this down? And Jeremy said, we need a lawyer and an agent, right? Okay, yeah, cover all the compliance <laughs> and everything. all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that, that some of that stuff. And look, we didn't even talk. We didn't talk any specifics and you know obviously he was not recruiting anything and sure. he was not here to recruit and they, i guess they checked it out and everything was good yes so we never heard back I mean, the people so. in his department had heard it and everything was fine but what well, it was eye-opening for us because mm. you know, on my list are people that i know like you know john brannon who i have known um, would love to have gotten a chance to talk to him but now we can't talk to him um you know any of the people that are nku anybody working you know michael buter who's working at uc i used to coach yeah. michael yeah he would have been a great guest brady kennedy the director of recruiting at uk yeah. men's basketball can't have him on yeah. now so we've been able to have college football coaches but yeah. we can't have any men's college basketball coaches since we're affiliated yes with high school kids so yep. you're stuck with me then no it's, it's perfect <laughs> we love i'm gonna tell you man we love having four players on um after newport central catholic 
Michael went on to star at Park University in Missouri, where he was a three-year starter. Mm-hmm. Played under uh, great coach Jason Klein, who mm-hmm. was in his what seventeenth, sixteenth, seventeenth year now. At yeah, Park. he was he was there for a few years before I got there. So let's see, that was two thousand six to two thousand nine when I was there. So yeah, I mean he's he's put on he's put together quite a tenure there. Yes, mm. I, I just can remember that I was. Our, our, my buddy Jay was keeping me in the loop with that. Jay Croft that I worked with at Dayton, and um, he was filling me in on like the milestones that were going on because obviously we were here. I was at Scott at the time, just getting here. It was my first year, your first year out there, and um, going into my second year. And so we're just, you know how it is, man. When you're in your season, you're balls oh, to the wall, right? You know 100%, how it is. Yeah. But uh, Michael was also a two time NAIA scholar athlete. He's the only scholar athlete in his family. Where did you, where did you find that stat at? The two time. I went to the park. You, I didn't did, even know that. We, <laughs> hey, bro, we get on. We, you, you do your homework. Some I'm impressed. Things, some things are false because they're outdated, but we get into it. I just I went on to Park University's impressive thing, and I saw the honors list, and I always like yeah. to check that because if we have a guest on, I want to make sure that we're given all the accolades. And then, you know, you put it out on the, the template, then people will listen. Like, hey, this guy's pretty smart. <laughs> but, you know, on top of being smart, Michael graduated college and then came home and went to the University of Cincinnati College of Law and is now a Commonwealth prosecuting attorney in Campbell County. Correct. Mm-hmm. What's that job like? Stressful? Yeah, it is. Um, also incredibly rewarding, too. I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be doing it if I felt otherwise. Um, I've been doing it since 2014 here in Campbell County. Um, for a year before that, prosecuted up in Dayton, Ohio, and Montgomery County. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love what I do. Um, you know, I talked to you a little bit about on the phone about some of the parallels between kind of sports and, and what I did in sports and preparation and how that kind of prepared me and made me a better attorney and a better prosecutor um, as it relates to my field now. Um, and so, and I, and I meant it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of parallels kind of touching on that, on the sports related aspect of your show into what I do now, which is, uh, we prosecute every felony in Campbell County. So if there's a felony committed in Campbell County, um, it comes through my office and then, um, and we go from there. What's it like working for Michelle Snodgrass? She gets all the press, right? She's always on the TV. And then sometimes that's a, that's a tough thing just because of the level of the stuff that's going on. But, you know, the Snodgrasses have been around a long time. Oh, a long time. New Calf kids as mm-hmm. well. Yep. You know, her dad was, you know, I don't know what his title was. I know you paid your car taxes yeah. to him. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> what everybody says is um, they, were, they wrote their check to Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, her dad was the county clerk, longtime yeah. county clerk. Um, and then Michelle um, became a uh, assistant Commonwealth attorney, mm-hmm. I think in 2001, and then um, became Commonwealth attorney, I believe in 2009, give or take a year. Um, so she's been doing it a while. Obviously, you, if you haven't seen a Dateline or an AB, or a, yeah, ABC 2020, um, she's been on multiple um, shows as it relates to those. And, um, it's very apparent that she knows what she's doing. She's impressive. Yes. So in 2005, the fall of 2005, I was on the grand jury in Mm. Campbell County, which if you've not been on the grand jury, it it, it could be different now, but it was a three month, 
uh, what is that? I don't even know what you call that. Uh, you were on there yeah. for three months. You basically. served for three months. Served, thank you. Yeah. And uh, it was one day a week. Mm-hmm. It was Thursday morning. So you're there at 8.30, you're done by 11.30, 12. But Michelle was the one that came in and did most of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was impressive. I can't remember the, the cat's name that was the, the boss man at the time, but he's done. It was Jack Porter. Um, I think that's who was the Commonwealth attorney at the time, but yeah, um, she's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I said, she's been doing it a long time, um, and has, and has handled some, some high profile cases. Um, so you can't, you know, you can't be in this line of work that long, um, and handle the types of cases that she's handled and not know what you're doing. Awesome. So on top of all of these accolades so far, Michael's also done some coaching with the Newport Catholic girls team. I did one year there and, and that was, uh, let's see, I think that was my first year out of law school. Um, and so, um, at the time, uh, George Stahl was coaching the girls team and I knew George, um, from, from high school, he was a little younger than me. Um, but he, he was the head coach at the time. And, um, I actually reached out to him and was like, look, I'd love to get into coaching and, um, quickly realized quickly realized that um me trying to maintain a schedule in terms of studying for the bar exam um becoming a a practicing attorney and then committing myself fully to the girls um was not something that i was going to be able to do for a long time so did that one year and then you know you're you're the same way you're built the same way um i can't do it unless i can give 110 percent it didn't feel right that I couldn't do that. And so I'm not going to do it. Um, and so that's kind of where, that's kind of where things left off in terms of the, um, the, ba- the basketball coaching or the, or the coaching. Of the and teams. that's before you were married. Let's see. What was it? What year was that? Uh, 2000. Yes. That was before I was married. Yeah. I was going to say it was about a year yeah, or so. I didn't get married. I don't know what I'm thinking. Gosh, I hope my wife doesn't listen no. to this. I, I, you I just uh, didn't know when you got, were coaching. That's, that's true. Yeah. Thank you. Thank that's you. That's all it was. No, I got married in 2016. So yeah, yeah it was well, that's before, well before. Yeah. I mean, it's just different when you, so now you're married, you two little girls. I have two little girls. Okay. Yeah. So five and two. Donating or giving 15 to 20 hours of your week right. to that on top of trying to be a husband, a dad, and then, you know, work. Doesn't matter. If, it doesn't matter if you sell pizza, teach school, you know, prosecute people doesn't matter what it is that's a lot of time yes there's only so much you can do yes and effectively and, yeah and then time management is a skill that you better learn and you better learn in a hurry if you want to be uh successful in, in in regardless of what you do in life um you better have that skill down um because if you don't you're going to be in a world of hurt mm-hmm. and and so i you know I've, I've gotten better at it obviously I, still struggle with it from time to time just because um of the busy schedule you know being a dad being a husband and then and then doing what i do but um but yeah it's definitely a skill you need to have how's that girl dad life i'll tell you what man um it is now that i'm now that i'm in it you know my oldest is five um i can't imagine not being a girl dad is as funny as that as that sounds and, and to hear me say because you know you you grow up, you play, you play sports, and you grow up in the family that I did, which is kind of um, huge, huge family. Yes, yeah, and, B- and big not, Italian family. Yes, um, and so you know, sports was was just a way of life for us, um, even boys and girls, right? Um, but 
but um, particularly with us, it was one of those things where, um, you know, you just, that's kind of what you were bred to do. And so I had always imagined kind of having that son and, and, and teaching my son all those things that kind of, I grew, I grew up learning. Um, and not that I can't teach my girls that, no, right. Um, absolutely you can, but I don't, I'm not sure my five-year-old really no. has an interest yet. She's still young, but, um, but I couldn't imagine kind of getting back to the point I digressed. I couldn't imagine not being a girl dad at this point. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. I mean, you think about just the, the difference between you at five and your daughter at five, you know, your dad coached a lot of your stuff, especially basketball. I yes. remember I coached my first coaching job at uh, Holy spirit. You were at St. Therese. Yep. And your dad was coaching in sweats, the old sweats <laughs> and you a know. cutoff shirt. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of grew up around that stuff. You were just tagging along because they were they were always doing something, playing or you know, probably softball or you know, basketball, whatever. So you just kind of grew up. Yeah. And your cut, you know, you had all these cousins. So you have, you know, the was it the Kellys from Newcath as well, right? Yeah, the Kellys. Your um, aunt Kathy. Put, on hold on, let me say, it real yeah. quick. On more than one occasion, after some kind of big win in the baseball program, your aunt Kathy would have a couple beers. And she would start talking about how she was the best athlete in their family and that the boys were not nearly as good as her. So you need to make sure she hears that. I have no doubt that she said that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's number one. She used to tell her kids that. Yeah. I, it, like, like I said, I have no doubt. But she, um, that was my dad's sister. Mm -hmm. She had five boys. One is playing Division One right now as a linebacker at OU. Um all four her, boys played. Her, yep, her two football, oldest played at Union, five. and then Chris uh, started at linebacker at Eastern Kentucky. So, um, kind of getting back to your point, yeah, we grew up with it. I mean, um, grew up in South Newport. Mm -hmm. um, I I lived all over Newport as a kid. Um, you know, my mom, mom and dad were young when they had me. I think dad was eighteen, mom was nineteen. Um, so grew up in 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 a bunch of different places. Kind of shuffled around. Sure. Um, that was just kind of the nature of it, um, with young parents. And so, but I, I love my childhood, um, w wouldn't change it. Um, and then kind of home base for me was the Hill, right? It was South Newport up on the Hill. Um, you had, you had Jimmy Pingallo on a couple episodes ago. And, um, so my, we home base was my grandma's house up on Amelia street in South Newport. And then, um, her brother lived right next door, Frank. Um, so my grandma had six, she was one of 13. Then she had six kids. Um, then next door was her brother and he had eight. Mm -hmm. And then next door to him was their sister, my aunt Eleanor. And, um, you know, she had, she had a few kids as well. So it was, we grew up in that where, you know, everybody was in the same place. Um, everybody was interested in sports. Everybody was a competitor um, and it was fun to grow up in that environment. And it, having older cousins too made you that much more competitive because those dudes, they were not letting you have anything. No, right? no. You, I mean, you've <laughs> met several members of my family, right? So you, the, the, you didn't come by a win easily. No. And if you did, you had to pay for it, especially if you beat somebody older. Um, so yeah, but that was just the nature of it. And we, um, but we were always, we always had something to do. We were always outside. We were always doing something, and it was always something sports-related. We always had a ball in our hands, mm -hmm. um, but it, it built that it built that competitive fire in all of us. Um, and 
and kind of fueled it as we as we grew up. So let's talk about some of these new calf years. Obviously, you graduated in '04, so some good some good years in the new calf basketball program. Did you play football in new calf as well? I played my freshman year, and okay. then I played um, I played my junior year, and uh, I think I was like four games in, broke my collarbone. Oh, um, so it, obviously yeah, that, was that was the end of my that season. Was out. Yeah. <laughs> That was out. So talk about some of these new kids, you know, just the new kid years in general. Well, kind of getting back to the environment that we grew up in, you know, everybody in my family also went to the same high school. We all went to new Cath. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't a question of where you were going from the time you were born to the time you hit that last day of eighth grade, you were just waiting to step foot through the front doors up on the hill. Um, and it kind of got built up to this kind of mythical place where we just couldn't wait till we, we could get there. Um, so we, I mean, we would go up and watch guys and, and all that kind of stuff. And so my eighth grade year going into my freshman year, you know, I couldn't wait to get there. And to kind of set the backdrop for this, you know, that, that year I was coming in my freshman year, Newcastle basketball team was good. Um, Very good. They were top five preseason in the state as a single way school. The year before, they had won the All A State tournament. They had won the ninth region championship and went down to Rupp to play. So um, I was anxious to get up there and and to to get in the thick of it and prove myself. Um, and so when I came in my freshman year, I'll never forget it. It was like the first day, and I came in for the first day of. I think I started with the freshmen like coming in for practice. And it was like a scene out of Hoosiers, man. I walked into the to the um, to the the men's locker room, and they had these brand new, brand new white uniforms um, sprawled out. And I just remembered like the feeling that I had, like the you know the light comes down and you hear the music in the background, <laughs> and and you're like, you would do anything yeah. to wear that jersey, anything. And that's that. So I saw it. and I'm like, I'm wearing that jersey this year. I don't care what I got to do. Um, so I was fortunate enough to where I did really well and then ended up starting as a, um, as a freshman on the JV team, which started four juniors and me. And that was Jimmy's first year. No, I think Jimmy came the following year. Okay. So my freshman year, um, it was Ronnie, Ronnie senior year, yep. Ronnie Don, Mr. Yep. Don, it was Mr. Don's final year. Yep. Um, Ron Don senior's final year. Um, so Jimmy's first year would have been the following year, year with, yeah. with Rob, Rob Denzel. Yeah. A funny story about, about, that, about that year. So I actually was fortunate enough to get to dress varsity. Um, but, but there was, there was a, a slight miscommunication on before the season started about uh, whether I was actually dressing or not. I knew I was going to play JV, but dressing varsity was, was a whole other accolade and a whole other thing of, itself earned like, yes earned and, and you wanted yeah. it like i said i wanted that white jersey yeah. so you know mr mr don was also kind of this figure in my life to where you know i i was a 14 year old kid as a freshman ain't no way i'm asking him like am i dressing or not so um i didn't ask him so the <laughs> before the first game of the season the first game of the season that year they played brossard at the Centos center so it's it's Newcath, it's Brossard, first game of the season, Centos Center, a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Rival. 45 minutes before the game, I am at home, 
and I'm getting ready to go to the game. Um, and so we're gearing up or whatever. And the phone rings and it's, uh, I believe it was Rob Detzel. And he's like, Hey, is Mike coming to the game? And, uh, I was like, so my dad looks at me and he's like, you know, you're supposed to be dressing varsity yeah, tonight. Yeah. And that's no one's fault, but yours. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. So, uh, you know, it was one of those things where like, I wasn't sure, but I didn't want to ask. And so of course we sprint, we, we sprint to the game. I get the uniform on, I get dressed just as we're, we're walking out to the tunnel through the tunnel to go out on the court. And I think it was Mr. Detzel, Rob Detzel, um, the assistant coach at the time said, be ready. And I said, ready for what? <laughs> he goes, ready to play tonight. I didn't, I don't, I didn't get in that game, but man, it was, that was quite a whirlwind. Um, that, that kind of how I was introduced into that, mm-hmm. into that, that new Cath, uh, basketball life there at the, at the beginning of my freshman year. And, you know, we've, trust me, we've had situations before where we'll talk about something and it'll get to the game day. Usually it's that, so you can only dress 15 kids. So yeah. just talking about this. So we usually go through it in the preseason about who, who's going to dress. Well, then we get to that first game. We realize that we've not told the kids. So we're hustling to get, I mean, it's real. That's a real thing. So I can see the, I mean, I don't want to say it's a lack of communication or communication breakdown. It just, it just the way it is. Sometimes you have yeah. so much on your mind and it happens, right? Yeah. And it was one of those things where, you know, I didn't want to presume. Sure. I um, understand that. And, 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 and you're embarrassed. You don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, so needless to say, I, I was fortunate enough to, to dress the rest of the year on varsity, but it was, it was quite an And it was a hell of a year to do it too, man. A 27 win team. Oh man. You know, get that first win by one over Browser and then you go on this run of like, was it 10 games? Yeah. I mean, 10 games in a row and you don't lose until you lose to the mighty Scott Eagles. That's well, yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure the mighty Scott Eagles. Uh, they were really good back then. Too. I think they I think they uh, we lost to them in the first round in the region that year, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, you beat them. It was, was it you beat them in the first round? Of the was region. Beat, okay, and then yeah. lost in the semis. Lost to Connor in the semifinals. Con- semifinals. Okay. Yeah, and I can remember that uh, being at Holmes for that game. Yeah, yeah. Just be, I mean, I was still I was at Dayton at the time, but they were our district. It was my first year at Dayton. And they were in our district, and they were just really good. Yeah, I mean, you know what? And here's the other thing: the All A Classic that year was at Dayton, so getting to watch, getting to watch those kids that I have known since they were boys, and again, it was my first year coaching high school, but I had spent two years in one of their feeder systems. So you're still out at the games. You know, you're still coming on Friday, yeah. and then you're coming back at eight o'clock the next morning to coach. You know, against Joey Zimmerman and, and Kevin Gray, and these, <laughs> you know, with my six kids in tow, right? So, uh, you know, we that first year it was awesome. It was really cool to to be able to see that. And uh, and you talked about like get. So let me ask you this real quick. Yeah. With that team, especially as accomplished as they were mm-hmm. that year before, and it really was a magical season for them, but. Getting to watch that on the front row, what does that what does that uh, what does that give you that a coaching that coaching cannot give you there? Just that you know, is that more? Uh, I don't want to let these guys down. You think, or when you when the when the chance comes your way? Yeah, it's a hundred percent. I mean, you know, we talk about this this thing at Newcath and about the pride that you have wearing the jersey, and that sure. that comes that only comes when it's handed down from guy mm-hmm. to guy. Um, and if, so if you don't feel that from the upperclassmen, if you don't feel that, you know, it's one thing to have a coach tell you, 
it's another thing for a junior or senior who's right there with you, um, who's putting in the same hours that you that, that you are, and that is going to demand of you um, that type of excellence. And then you can look at them and you can see, hey, you know, I'm looking at somebody like Ronnie Don. I'm looking at somebody like Vince Bonhouse, who was my cousin mm-hmm. at the time. I'm looking at these guys who have the credibility because they have put in the work and they have won the games and they're they're they are honoring that Newcath brand. You have a tremendous sense of I don't want to let these guys down, not just them, but everybody that has come before them because you know that's that especially coming from the family that I come from. Yeah. That's that you feel that I don't want to call it pressure. Um, but you feel it. It's an expectation. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think that, I don't think you can get that from a coach telling you do this or do that, or this is what you need to do to be better. Um, obviously, you know, there's a million different things that I learned from the coaches that I had, but yeah, just watching them guys and feeling, feeling that energy, um, throughout that season, um, and having that example set for me is it's a big deal. Let me ask you another thing. So that group, not bad, that group of kids were pretty well known for the work they put in outside of just practice time. Mm-hmm. Does that set the tone for you, especially as especially with going and playing college basketball? Yeah. Is that, did, that, did that set the tone for Listen, you? Listen, you know, I'm sure you tell guys this all the time, but, you know, if you're waiting to become a good basketball player when the first practice starts, you've missed the boat. Um, it's about what you do out, outside of those hours. Um, it's about what you do in the summer. It's about all those things that you do when the coach is not around. Um, because, um, you know, like I said, you, you can't build that kind of you can't build that brand of basketball yeah. and just expect to put the two hours you have in a night um, and expect to be really really good. You can do that and you can put out a competent team, right? But if you want to be really good like those guys did, it, it, that was they were made in the off season, um, and it was apparent. You you could tell coming into the first practice, oh, this isn't their first rodeo, yeah. right? right? They've been doing it. Um, and so you had to work very hard, uh, to, to kind of catch up to that, just to, just to stay kind of with them. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was everything. I mean, you talk a lot, but watching stuff and observing it and getting that visual, um, example set for you is everything. And the example has got to be set by the kids, the coaches, if the coach is going to, are going to drag the kids to get something done. It's going to be exhausting and they're not going to want anything to do with it. Right. That's just the truth. The kids have got, you know, we, we talk about kids and look, I didn't invent this saying, but if they drag each other, they'll get a heck of a lot more accomplished than if we try to drag them Yeah. because then they'll be miserable. They won't want to be around and it's a fight. Yeah. You're just fighting them. And, and, and then everybody's burnt out by Christmas. Couldn't agree more. You know, mm-hmm. so it just is what it is. So after that first year, Rondon leaves. Was that heartbreaking for you or? You know, it, it, I think it would have been, except for that I had a very, um, my relationship with Rob Detzel who took over was. Was he um, the JV coach? He was the Still? JV coach. Okay. Um, and, and so me and him had a very good relationship and he, um, you know, he was one of them. He was one of the male role models in my life that kind of took a kind of a big role. Sure. Um, just not, not on the, not only on the court, but off the court as well. And so he, he really kind of helped um, me, you know, because I, again, now going from a freshman starting with four juniors as a 
as a freshman on JV, I now want to be in a sophomore starting with four seniors. Um, and he helped me in that transition. Um, and it became an unbelievable mentor to me. And he is still, I consider a, a very close friend. Um, he actually just stopped by my house a few weeks ago to drop some stuff off, some stuff that he had found, uh, in his office, a picture of us and some other stuff. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, it was one of the things where obviously you never want to lose a guy like Ron Don, sure. but I had nothing but, well, that's all you knew their whole life prior to that. Yeah. Was yeah. That he was the head coach. Everybody. Yeah. But I had nothing but confidence in, in, I still call him coach. I can't even call him. I, mean, I just, I know people that have played. A lot of people. We talked to Keaton Belter and, and um, thought that he was going to have a s- certain coach, and then all of a sudden he leaves to go to another job, and he's like, "What?" Yeah, right. I mean, no, and it, it, it ended up working out for him, right? I yeah. mean, it worked out perfectly the way it was supposed to. Sure, it, 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 it's always an adjustment, no matter what. I mean, obviously, no two the personalities are, are not going to be exactly the same. I mean, their approach can be the same, but their personalities are, are not going to be the same. Um, the way they approach individual aspects of the game are not going to be the same. Um, and he was dealing with, you know, he was dealing with a lot at the time. I mean, imagine coming off that run, well, right? The team and then had you a get, losing you, season for the first time. And yeah, the I 90s. mean, not, not only a losing season, but a very, I mean, yeah. a, it was a bad season. It was, yeah, 11, I think we were 11 and like 17, 11 and 19, 11 and 19. I, I mean, saw a lot of those games too, just because, you know, we hosted a district hmm. and um, Luke Geisler was working for me at the time. So, if I had, and he was a senior on that team, I'm pretty sure. Yes, he was. So I spent some time watching. Um, if I had a chance to go out to so the, the Dixie game, the last game of the year at Connor mm-hmm. in the regional, um, I was there, got to see that. That was a good team. Oh, my God. The Bramlage brothers. Yeah. And they were a Dude, good team. They were the best team in ninth region. Oh, man. I don't know if they, they, were, they, were, I, they didn't win. They didn't but, win it, but they were talented. Yeah, they were so good. And we, I, rem- <laughs> I remember we were kind of playing – we were del- we were holding the ball a little bit that mm-hmm. first quarter just to kind of keep it close, and I think it was – just to limit their possessions because if they sure. had more possessions were up with than us, they were just going to blow us out of the gym. And yeah. I think at the end of the first quarter, it was like 16 to 12 and we were all, we were giddy because we were in it and that did not last long. And the other thing is the ninth region was really good. There was a lot of parity. I mean, Ryle won the region that year. Well, I mean, and they it, beat this Dixie team that was all world. I'll, I'll tell you, it was. And Cuffcat was really good at the time too. It was a 25 win team. It was, it was an unbelievable time. I mean, my sophomore year, which which coach still think that this is um, this is in, in, in a, like an amazing statistic, but mm-hmm. it, it, it is and it isn't because I, I only remember how many games we lost. I mean, it was just it was a oh, bad I, year I for it. us. But yeah. but um, I averaged twenty two points a game my sophomore year. It was my uh, sophomore year and led the ninth region in scoring. And the first three guys I think behind me in points in the ninth region were all Division One signees. Justin Justin Dolman. Dolman. Ross Neltner. Mm-hmm. So Justin Dolman oh, signed yeah. with Xavier. That's right. Ross Neltner, I think, went to LSU. Mike Brock went to went to EKU. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at Simon Kenton. Yeah. So there, the, the you talk about parity. I mean, there were good teams all around. I think I was second in Northern Kentucky behind. I want to say it was Kevin. I think Kevin was a senior that year. Kevin Reinhardt out of Campbell County. Yeah, who ended, they up, won. ended up signing with NKU. They won the tenth region yeah. that year. He was um, a hell of a player. Man. Oh man, he he dunked all over us the, the game we played out there. So he signed with NKU, and then he, he, like like you said, Cuffkith. I mean, they had a they had a great team. Brian Lewin ended mm-hmm. up playing yep. at NKU. Uh, he yep. was there. So there were, I mean, 
there were a lot of good teams that sophomore year. So not only is is Coach Tetzel coming off this magical run, he's got to get this team, you know, into a into a position to win after, you know, a couple of years are coming off of a state championship in ninth region, but he's got to do it in the climate of a an unbelievable ninth region at the time. So his task couldn't have been higher. Yeah. Um, it couldn't have been heavier. And you talked about just back up real quick for the your freshman year of that group of kids when they were I want to say just maybe just their freshman year or freshman and sophomore, they were playing in the same district with, you know, Derek Smith and Jared Lorenzen and those teams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those dudes were amazing. Like, I can't tell you those games were awesome. I remember, just, I remember going up and watching yep. um, them play at Newcastle. Newcastle in the district. They just, yeah. They looked and felt and moved differently than everybody else. I mean, you could just tell, like, these guys don't belong on this court. They belong. You know, you I know remember I mean? they walked in the side entrance and walked across the baseline. And I thought, Oh shit. Yeah. It's I mean, going down tonight. You could. Yeah. And they, I, I'm, I'm telling you, they were throwing baseball passes and dunking. Like I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, but yeah, that, but that was the cool part about it, all that stuff made you want to be better though. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, as a that's, kid, that's what I'm saying. They, they, like you said, they've been there, they've done that, mm-hmm. the trials and tribulations. Yeah. They fought those battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which helps you. Cause now you're fighting against them. Yep. No different than, when I was a you know sophomore and playing against these guys that had been successful for you know three years and they were men, yes, they don't make dudes like they used to. I don't know what what it is, but dudes just aren't made that way anymore. Yeah, I I mean those two um, referring to Lorenzen and, and Derek Smith, they they look like grown men when they walked in the gym. Yeah, I mean even as a kid, I could tell that. Like you know, somebody get these guys and check their birth certificates because I don't understand. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, they, they were fun to watch, but, but like you said, all it did, it was made them, them, them young guys who played against them better. Yeah. Well, same deal. Same thing for you. Mm-hmm. And like turning around to, you know, in your, in your junior year, you guys had more wins. Uh, I think we were 14 and 15. I think it was another, another, uh, I think we hosted that district down there too. That's when St. Henry won. Wasn't that, or they won the all a that yeah, year. They were a good team that year, you know? We were just talking about them the other day with somebody. I can't remember. I think was it was. That, uh, was that with uh, Lofton? Chris Lofton. Chris Lofton. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was a hell of a team. Yeah, they were really good. I mean, and they were um, they were one of them teams where it wasn't one dude. They yeah. five of them unbelievable were, were really good. Was it Adi Fabiani? Fabiani Veith. Veith. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember them guys. Have you seen Wyatt Veith play? The kids that's out there. Say right here now. I haven't. No. Dude, that's my dude. Is he good? He's unbelievable. Yeah. So his senior year. What a hell of a year, man. You know, second best record in Northern Kentucky behind Cuffcath there. Unfortunately, Cuffcath was their best team in, in the region that year, right? Did they win the region? By, they won the region. And they and went, they, all the they to went to the, the final four, yeah. and I think they were a bucket away from beating the eventual state champion, if I remember correctly. Warren Central, yeah. Who ended up winning it all. Um, I thought they were the best team in the state that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and in fact, when – and this is funny – um, when so my recruitment video that I sent to Jason Klein out at Coach Klein out at uh, at Park University. That's not all he got. Yeah, <laughs> that's not all he got. Well, he asked me for one. And <laughs> I so, get it. I get it. Yeah. So that's the one that I sent out. Yeah. Um, it was the semifinal game in the region versus Covcath, and um, I just, I mean, I and that game was, I I can still feel like that that huge weight on my chest when I, when I saw the clock going down and I realized this was the end of it. Um, 
but man, it, the the first half, um, I scored. I think I scored like seventeen in the first half. We were up one, I think, at halftime, and going. To the, we were we were supremely confident. We're like, we can beat these guys, um, and they were a good team. They um they had uh, I think it was the Votel brothers. One of them ended up signing and playing at Penn. Um, but the second half they came out and double teamed me, and the second half was a different story. They ran double teams at me the whole second half. But anyway, I sent that tape out to to Coach Klein, and when he called me, the first thing he said was, "Man, that team you played against was good." <laughs> Where are those guys at? Yeah, and I said, <laughs> yeah, you, you ain't home? kidding." I I said, "I'm familiar with them." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but they, it was uh, a hell of a year, and I, I can remember the. Uh, I was at Newport for the All A Finals, the Region Finals. So you played Ludlow, yeah, and dude, they were good. They were, they were real. They had, they had a couple year period there where that was a just an unbelievable. They were team legitimate, yes. Joe Beard had, and um, I remember the controversy after the game, where I mean it was a good game for a while, and then you guys just started putting it on them. You yeah. became you became the you know second best team in North Kentucky after halftime. Yes, and um, but that was the night that Michael Lewis from Ludlow got MVP yeah, yeah, and Marky Krebs did not. And I think that either Marky or you, um, I just can't remember the tournament. I, I want to say that Marky had the, had just had a really good tournament and it was going to be pretty much everybody thought that, you know, you guys yeah. won, he was going to get it. And then Michael Lewis and all the new kids. It was, I remember it was minds. like, it was silent at first. Cause yeah. I think some people thought it was a joke and he was really good. Yeah. And he the, had a hell of a tournament. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Dude, um, that but, kid was just a good athlete. Yeah. Man. He's yeah. so good. But it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a little baffling mm -hmm. to, to kind of everybody there. But I mean, I tell you what, we didn't care. Um, I mean, after ha having the two seasons that we had prior to that, we were just, I was elated to, and kind of, uh, I remember that game a lot because that morning I woke up with like 102 fever Ugh. and we had a morning practice and I came to practice and, and coach was like, you got to go home. So I went home, but I, I felt, I felt horrible that whole day and into the night, um, and then played and then, um, and then we, we got the win, and I was so happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I by the end of the night, I was like, yeah. I don't care. Everybody's good at that point. Yep, everybody feels They're good. They're out celebrating, doing but, the thing. Um, but, yeah, there was um, – it was one of those things where we could care less just because we were so happy to be, be going downstate. Yeah, and then uh, also a little painful memory here. I was just looking at this. You know, you get – you have a really easy game in that first round of the, of the All-A State, and then – you eke out a win against Lexington, a really good Lexington Christian team. Yes, they were good. And then Brossard, was that the year that uh, – so you lose to Brossard. Was that the final four? Was that a yeah. semifinal? It was a semifinal. I yeah. think we lost by three. Three points. If I remember mm -hmm. right. Yeah, um, three points. I shot, I shot a shot at the buzzer and I missed. Um, or not at the buzzer, but like with time winding down. Mm -hmm. But that was another good team at the time. Um, they were really good. They were huge. Yeah. Um, they – it was Kevin Smith, Smith who went about yeah. six seven. They had Evan McDowell who went about six five. Yeah. Derek Smith who was a seven footer. I mean, they played a Roden. Or I'm sorry, not Roden. Derek. Uh, Roden. Yeah, mm -hmm. we we were just talking about Derek. <laughs> that would have been that would have been way. That would have been Smith interesting. Smith was on that team. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have lost a game. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been a three point game. That's no. for sure. Um, no, but yeah. So Derek Roden, but yeah, they were huge. And they, I remember they played zone and it, and trying to get through that zone on the, with that length yeah. was just it was a monster. Willie Slarman had just a hell of a career there then yeah. my code just came right in and picked right up you yeah. know 
So they should have won that. They should have won that all a state that year. Yeah. They were better than Hazard. I think Hazard beat them in the final. They played us at Augusta in the um, semifinals of the tenth region all a that year. And I remember we came out. We were having a pretty good year. I think we were like fifteen and four at the time, or fourteen and four or something like that. And Brian Kirk hits like a three at the buzzer right before the. Uh, first quarter ended and we're up like 15 to 10 and we're thinking oh, yeah we got them yeah. no they they won 81 to 56 and like you said just the length got to us I don't even think we got a shot off inside the paint the rest of the game yeah I mean our biggest guy went even on my sen- that senior year our biggest guy went 6-5 but then after that I think we went um, 6-2 6 5-11 5-11 so we were we were not big at all um, Mark Krebs at the time mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still mad at him for this. He grew another three inches after <laughs> I left. Um, I could have used those three inches yeah. that year, but um, but yeah, they were they were they were big and they were good. And that's the other thing about your time there. You got to play with a lot of really good players. Oh, yeah. You know, it, you know, it's obviously it's bookended with these really special seasons. But even even those middle two years, you got to play with dudes that were really good. Oh yeah. Well, and 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 got to play against dudes that were really yeah, good. Yeah, that's the other thing. Um, so, you know, I you know I wouldn't trade, obviously, anything um, in terms of my experience at Newcath. I wouldn't trade that for anything. And those th- That sophomore and junior year were tough, but, man, it made that senior year that much more special because mm-hmm. if we were if we were 25-5 and five my sophomore, junior, senior year, it would have been – you know, my senior year would have been – he was already a disappointment because I felt we were good enough to win the region that year. Um, but it was one of those things where I appreciated it that much more because it came off of a lot of hard work and a lot of heartbreak uh, the preceding two years. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times when you talk about the region, it's a lot about matchups too. You know, the Cupcat team is a tough matchup for you guys. Oh, yeah. If you had played Ryle in that semifinal, that still would have been a tough matchup. Just be, you know, Justin Dolman was just so good and the guys that were around him were good, but the matchups is a little bit different. So I mean, you just, you don't, you know, you don't know. I mean, you beat, you beat Rao by 20 earlier in the year. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, a lot of that is matchup. Yeah. Just depending on, you know, defense, especially, you know, and, and, now, and, I, and I've learned that over, you know, all this time that I've been a coach, some of the best teams that I thought we had that, you know, getting their ass kicked just because a team, they were just bigger and yeah. we couldn't rebound the ball. You know, if we got it out in open space and we were able to run, well, it was going to be over. But if it was going to be a half-court game, we didn't have a chance. Yeah, you know how it is, especially teams with with very um, diametrically opposed styles. Yeah, it, it Typically, the team who is able to play their style or force their style on the other team has the upper hand um, in those types of games. So, um, yeah, I mean, they slowed us down. They, you know, yeah. it was one of those type of things. So talk about this the time you spent at Campbellsville. First things first, um, what made you choose Campbellsville out of, out of playing out of Newcath? Uh, well, I'll tell you right now. Um, it, it, we, my senior year in high school, we played at the Ashland Invitational Tournament, and um, we won it. And it's still to this day the biggest – I got the MVP, and it's still the biggest trophy I've ever had. Um, so that, that's, that's one of my memories. But the other part of that was – we were playing really well at the time. Um, we played Ashland in the final at Ashland um, in the tournament. And there was a kid that played on Ashland that was supposed to be really good. Um, and I think he was being recruited by Western, uh, some small-time D1, but he was good. Um, and 
um, played relatively well. We won. And after the championship game, we were back in the locker room and coach Detzel came back and he said, Hey, look, um, I don't want to, you know, he had a big, a big grin on his face. He goes, look, I don't want to make you nervous. He goes, there's a coach outside. Um, he's from Campbell's university. He's the head coach. He's never seen you play before tonight. He didn't even know your name. He was here to watch this other kid, but he's outside right now and he wants to offer you a full ride. And I was just like, I mean, that's what I was working for. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where like, um, I, I didn't even want to go out cause I was so nervous, but yeah. went out and talked to him and, um, because, because of the way it happened, um, it was one of those things where I just felt like it was kind of meant to be almost, you know, he wasn't even there recruiting me or, or there to see me and he just happened upon me. So it was one of those things where kind of, I, I signed early, um, cause he was, he would, he, they called me fairly regularly after that and, and Hey, you make a decision yet. You make a decision yet type thing. Um, my family wanted me to wait. Mm-hmm. but it just felt right to me. Um, and so, um, I committed, um, kind of a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, because of the way that it happened. Um, and I, I don't regret it. Um, I, I got to meet some really cool guys at, at Campbellsville, um, guys that I still talk to. And, um, that first, you know, I played that first season, my freshman year there, um, half of the year, and uh, started for the majority of the games, um, and then, but then ended up leaving halfway through. But, but yeah, that's kind of how it. That's kind of how it transpired. Um, was it a, was it homesickness or was it just a just the feel, the fit? No, it was one of those things where, um, you know, there was there was some chatter about me possibly playing back home, um, and so for NKU Mm -hmm. at the time. And, and so I just, it was one of those things where, um, it was a higher level. I, I had the opportunity or at least I perceived that I had the opportunity to play at a higher level at home. Um, which to me was, couldn't get any better. I mean, NKU was division two at the time. Um, but you know, playing in front of my family for a division two NBA or a division two NCAA basketball team was, was the, I mean, that was always the goal. So, um, that's kind of why I made that transition and then went to NKU that, that following January and mm-hmm. enrolled. And did you have to sit? Was, was there a period? So that was the early 2005. Yeah. I sat right? th- so I sat that January, obviously I couldn't transfer in and play or anything. I sat that January and then, um, worked out, with uh with the team that summer and then um and then obviously some things transpired and it just didn't work out mm-hmm. um and then that's what kind of led me at was that more of like a over recruiting situation yeah you know maybe listen it was um look it worked out it, i mean it's right. this is not a and i and i'm not i'm not bitter about anything no, no, and i don't no. i obviously don't regret anything i mean it was it's one of the things where like it was kind of, it happened the way it was supposed sure, to happen. I understand um, but it also, you know, it, it also kind of, to me, it, it unearthed a, a seedier side of, of the business. college basketball, yeah. the business aspect, the yeah. recruiting aspect of, you know, you forget that there are guys on a coaching staff who, you know, they're fighting for their jobs too. Um, their job is to bring in players. Their job is to, 
put players on the court that produce. And when they don't, they've got people to answer to as well. So, um, and again, I'm not going to get into the details. No, of it or, or I don't na- want you to. No, you know, or name names, but, um, but that's, it was one of those um, experiences. Opened my eyes a lot, learned a lot from the experience. Um, and like I said, couldn't have been, can't, can't, couldn't be happier about with the way things turned out. Yeah. And, and, and here's the other thing, you know, coach B's, that was what he was just starting maybe his second year. Yeah, I think so. At I, think Northern, I think that's right. right. It was so, either the first or second year, but it was obvious second. that they were going to be what was on the horizon there. So the pressure was, the pressure was on that too. So, um, you know, again, it worked out the way it worked out and maybe that's something that he had learned too. Cause I, you know, Whatever, yeah. right? But I, the, the, let me let me tell my story. Can I tell my story? Yeah. Okay. okay. So I'm at baseball practice, and this is where this is where our paths cross. Yes. For the first time, as um, not my, me refing your football games or coaching against you or um, watching you play, I was at baseball practice my first year at Newcath, and your uncle Andy was on our staff, and he rolled in and he was just super pissed off. Yeah. Fiery mad. And look, if you've ever been to a Newcastle basketball game with the Zimmerman crowd in the bleachers and a travel is called that you don't like or a foul is called or a, a travel is called that they didn't like or a foul, you know, <laughs> more than one Zimmerman has been escorted out of the gym for. You are 100% for, okay, correct. So for voicing opinion, right? So Andy shows up and he's just super pissed and basically, you know, um, you know, he said, well, this guy, you know, he screwed Michael. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he starts to go into the story. And your uncle Mark Kelly's there, too. He's coaching. Um, we were, Mark, he was on the team. Yeah. And I, and this is exactly how easy it was. <clears throat> I said, well, let me call my buddy Jay. And we had, you know, you had played it. You had beaten our brains in the first round of the district <laughs> tournament, his first year as the head coach. And I called him up and I said, listen, got a question. Um, do you remember Michael Zimmerman? Yes, I remember Michael Zimmerman. Well, Michael Zimmerman needs a home. And Jay had helped me the year before, uh, that f- summer prior, my first year here, we had a kid that wanted to play college basketball. Wasn't getting any looks. And I literally, I, and I'm kidding you not, I watched him for 10 minutes to shooting on the, the shooting machine. And I was like, oh, this kid's going to play college basketball. Because you... If you can score the ball, they'll teach you how to guard. They'll teach mm-hmm. you how to do everything else. So I called Jay. And within, I mean, I'm not lying to you. I don't know. It was probably a week. And these people were blowing up his phone. And then we had head coaches coming in to scout him in this gym. And I'm like, what the hell? This is just Because he's just that connected. And he's like, let me, let me call you right back. So he calls Jason. So yeah. first, because, you know, in his mind, he's like, I know – what this guy can offer somebody. And I have all these friends that he's acquired over, you know, 20 years at this point in the game through the CBA playing D one, just um, coaching AU as right. well. You know, he'd coached Zach Randolph who played in the NBA forever. Wow. Um, so he had a lot of connections and calls back within literally five minutes. And he said, can you get me game film? I look at him like, you get us some game film, man. Yeah, I'll get you, I'll get you game film. And Andy probably, had, he didn't have game film. He didn't have game film. <laughs> he might have had the newspaper articles. Uh. But um, so we went through that process there. And and the only thing that I, obviously, all I did was call him and gave him your number. He gave it there. And then the only conversation that we had was just, I think we talked one time and it was just more like a, 
I think we were just kind of setting up whatever because there was a worry. Like I was worried that, you know, I guess I would say that as the as it had gone on, like is he going to really go out to Missouri and he's going to play? Right. And I had kept telling Andy, it's like, is he is this is this really something he's going to do? And um, I think it, what ended up happening was it was it your cousin Sean took you out. To we, visit? Who was it? Who took you out there? Me and me and my cousin uh, Sean. That's right. We drove yeah. out and yeah. And, and I had been talking. That's Sean Kelly. Yeah. yeah. So I was talking to him like, hey, get him there. Yeah. Because at the time you were, you know, I mean, obviously it's just hard. Like it's hard to gauge with somebody you don't. You're not in their brain. Like is is he really going to want to go play there? But um, getting out there was it? Did you right away? Did you know like, hey, this is I like it here. Yeah. I had, um, I like coach Klein from the very first meeting. Um, he, so he, he's got that. There's a fire and a grit with him that you, that's palpable, right. That you can just feel. And so, um, I liked him from the very first meeting. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to like playing for this guy. He's going to be hard on me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm going to like playing for this guy. And, um, you know, if you don't know about coach Klein, he was, I mean, he's a little guy, but he led the NAIA when he played at Indiana Tech and assists, um, and he would he would get up in your grill, and he did when I was there. Um, but you know, it was one of those things where it kind of it just felt right. It clicked, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm 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 coming out here. I'm driving out, and I'm coming to Kansas City, Missouri." Um, and I I was out there for three years. Yeah, started point guard. Yeah, all three years. Yeah, and that first year, um, we we were. Uh, a good team. Um, we, I don't remember our record, but we were a 20 plus win team. Um, we got, we had two division one transfers in from central mm -hmm. Michigan. Yep. Um, and they were good. I mean, really good. We had, um, that year we were an NAI school, right? Um, but we beat every NAI school, every division two school and the division one school in Kansas city, Missouri that year. So UMKC, we played them at UMKC. They were a Division One school. We beat them. Rockhurst, who played in, I think it, they played in NKU's conference. Or if they didn't play in their conference, they definitely played them. Um, we beat them that year. And then we beat the other NAI schools in the area. And then we went on, and it went to the national Which, tournament. Yeah. Was that we're a seven seed, so we were ranked number seven nationally in the NAIA. Got to the Sweet 16. We were down 20 in that game. Um, came back and we were within a within a three pointer to tie it, and our best player, who was an All American, took it at the end and just you know just missed. Couldn't get him a, a great look, and he just missed. But man, that was that was a heck of a ride. Because you know NAI NAI is oh, it's it's a gritty experience because you know you're playing UMKC in a in a fifteen thousand seat twelve thousand seat arena in the middle of downtown Kansas city one day. And the next day you're driving to Arkansas <laughs> yeah. to play yeah. in, in a, in the back of a church. Right. So getting up for a game at UMKC is easy. Getting up for that same game where you got to drive to Arkansas and you've been on the road for 12 hours and you got to get up and you got to work out and then you got to play in a barn with 14 people in it. Yeah. Um, it's not as easy to get up, but again, this is where, this is where you got to have dudes on your, you got to have dudes on your squad that um, 
hold them, hold you accountable, mm-hmm. and at the same time hold themselves accountable. Sure. And these, you know, we had the two Division One transfers. They were they were going to be seniors. It was going to be their only year. They wanted to play overseas. They had to make their mark that year. They had one year to do it, and they knew that the the way to do it was to win, and then to look good winning. Um, and so they, you want to talk about two guys that worked and that and that kind of set the example for for me to get in get in the gym, watch film, all that kind of stuff. Again, that that was another another thing that I was fortunate to have. I mean, a dude's coached twenty two All Americans out there. Yeah. I mean, he's got his got his people. And here's one of the things I wanted to mention about this. And so you talk about the relationship you had with Rob Detzel, mm-hmm. and then you get to Campbellsville, you leave Northern, you leave, and then you get to Park, and it was almost as if like you and Jason, and from what where I'm at on this deal was that uh, you guys kind of had a very similar playing style. Yeah. Kind of get after it, you know, be a leader. You know, you led the team in assists, like I think all three years that you were there, if, yeah. I, if I read it right. But yeah. um, playing D, yeah. guarding dudes, just getting the job done. And I would hear from Jay, like, he, like how's Michael doing it, man? He loved, Jason loves this guy, you know. And I, there was a time that I thought Jason – while you were there, was going to leave to go to another school. And I said, if he leaves, Michael will leave to go with him. And that's just the way I felt about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, sometimes it just, it's amazing how the, something like this can just fall into your lap, but then you get, you know, to play another three years for a guy that you have tremendous respect for. Yeah. And literally, you know, obviously it helps playing with really good dudes, right? hundred percent. You guys played a really tough schedule every single year. Oh man. No Re- doubt. A really tough schedule. No doubt. Because he wanted to win that championship. Yes. Let's be real. I mean, yeah. you know, that is his job too. You know, he wants to further his career. I mean, look, how many how many guys start off at NAIA, then go to D2, and then the D1. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's the storybook. It's the grind, tale. man. Yes. It, it's the grind. And he was and he was all about the grind. But you know, it, there was I'm sure there were some some chirps and some chatters about about him leaving because, you know, he came and he made a difference in a hurry. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you come and I, he wasn't there that long when I got there, but when you put together a team that, you know, hasn't been successful in, in a little while and then goes to the sweet 16, um, and, and makes waves in the city just because you beat everybody that, that kind of puts you on the map a little bit. I want to say he was in his first year it, when you went there, to it, be honest with you. I, you know what? And I can't remember. Um, but he, it was, he was at Indiana tech and yes. I think that's where him and Jay, kind of got up because when jay left dayton he went back to indiana and he was the head women's coach in india tech for for a while so i'm sure that indiana connection kind of had that but um which is probably one of the reasons why when i said hey he needs a home and he's thinking well he needs a point guard <laughs> right yeah. you know what i mean yeah. just the way that just the way some people's brain works yeah. um doesn't matter like if i tell you hey i need a lawyer for um uh, whatever this thing is called me i need a media lawyer whatever and you'd be like oh okay well, you're right it's just you know no doubt everybody's you know their expertise is just comes in handy in different ways no doubt and i think you know from a, i'm just trying to put myself into issues but from a coach's standpoint i think it's a lot it's, it's a lot easier when you can kind of see a lot of yourself in in the style and the way the player carries himself and all that kind of stuff it makes that your comfort level with them easier right because there wasn't a long courtship. It was, no, it was he quick. called me. He's like, Hey, I like your tape. Come out to visit. I came out to visit scholarship offer. And then I, no. you know, the, did that make a big difference? The, the in money? terms of the, you know, being able to go out there and yeah. 
Yeah. Huge. I, well, I mean, again, I, I graduated college with zero debt. So, um, you know, anybody who has, who is a, who is aware. Um, so if you're a parent, you know, obviously if you're a kid approaching college age, you should know. Um, I mean the, the college, the, the, the cost of tuition and room and board at any college, it, it's just getting, it's getting to the point where it, it can become unmanageable once you graduate. So I was now I didn't I followed it up with going to law school and taking out loans. Yeah, but, but that, that's different. It's you different. Didn't have yeah. the I mean it's you know that's a twenty at the time it was probably a twenty twenty five thousand dollar a year school park right yeah at the time and, and Campbellsville was I think twenty four years so you know yeah. without them scholarships I, I would have been in a much different position um, which it allowed me to feel comfortable and, and and go to law school and things like that but um. But yeah, that that was always the goal. It was always a means to an end to me. You know, I knew as much as as much as I was encouraged to dream, and I did, and I did dream, and I and I worked towards a, achieving that dream. Mm-hmm. I also had a a very grounded sense about me, um, and that came from the people around me, and that you had to be somewhat realistic in what you were pursuing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I knew I wasn't going to the NBA. Right. I knew there was going to be a life after um, the college game. And so it was one of those things where, you know, that's, that's where like kind of life starts to hit you. Right. Where you're just, you just want to play ball. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I can get out of here with net with, without having yeah. to pay anybody. Um, and so it, it, it was always that means to an end for me. I always, I always joke like, um, when people would say, you know, like your college fund or refer to somebody's college fund or their parents set up a college fund for them. I said, yeah, mine was, you know, my dad rolled out of basketball and said, here, go, go get, go to college. And I, it's, it's just a joke, obviously, you know, he didn't do that, but that's kind of the way Mm -hmm. that I approached it was, it was a means to an end for me. And so I had to work towards that end. So let me, all right, I have a two, two thing here for you. Two things on that, on that right there. If you were able to, so say you coach, right? You know, just whatever, talking to kids that are wanting to go play sports in college, doesn't matter what it is, whatever. One of the things that I always talk about is, you know, your GPA and your ACT is just every trimester that you finish is money towards school. And we also have kids that want to play and sometimes it's going to have to be a D3 mm-hmm. and, or a D2. Mm-hmm. And I always try to push like, Hey, if an NAI school comes in and you can get all that money, mm-hmm this is where we need to go because it's just going to save you a hell of a lot of headache later on. You know, we've, we've got a kid right now that I've having this conversation with and he's very smart. Um, he, he knows that his ACT score needs to be higher, which hopefully with this whole COVID thing, maybe that'll go by the wayside since they're not doing in the ACT thing. So that might be even, even better. But one of the things that, you know, he's got NAIA schools talking to him Mm -hmm. and I'm like, listen, man, if you can come out of college, and not spend $120,000 on just to play basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your first house, right? You know, buy a house somewhere for that. That's just money you're saving. Um, I mean, do, do you ever have a chance to have these conversations with young athletes or young kids? I do. Um, so one of the things that I do is um, once I got kind of settled in my job as assistant commonwealth attorney, um, I knew I couldn't coach Sure. Um, even though I would have loved to, right. I didn't have the time, but one of the things I do do is, 
um, which was less of a time commitment as I coached the mock trial team at New K. Yeah, I saw that. That's yeah. awesome. So, um, which is, has been very cool for me. And, you know, the, I talk to the kids because I do good questions about, you know, law school and these kids are perceptive enough to be thinking about the cost, um, of those types of endeavors. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I tell them like, yeah, you need to, you need to, it's not something that you need to take lightly. You need to start looking at it now and considering it now is as kind of heavy as that is for an 18 year old. Um, we've got to teach them at least in my, from my perspective, um, we've got to have people that have dealt with that, that can relay that to them because, you know, I think you talked about this in a prior episode, but it, it's kind of just the way we grew up and where we grew up. It was beaten to our heads. Like you need to get the college degree, right? Um, yeah. First generation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my mom, neither my mom or my dad graduated with college. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things where it's, it's that milestone. Um, and it's that thing that, um, from a generational standpoint, people aspire to, especially, you know, immigrants, right. Who have come yeah. like my great grandpa who came over from Italy and, yeah. um, that's kind of the mark that had been the mark of success. Um, and I think what kind of has gotten lost, not lost, but you know, it, it makes it tougher is that people went to school at a time where the costs weren't so explosive. Um, and they didn't have to think as much about it. These kids today do, um, because, um, you know, if you read an article about anything as it relates to, uh, um, you know, college tuition and college debt, right? We're not in a good position as a country. No, it's so, terrible. It's so scary. It to is be scary. With it you. is very scary. Yeah. So yes, to kind of, that's a roundabout way of saying, yes, I talk to these kids. I talk to them realistically about the cost and I tell them, you know, don't cost shouldn't be the, the only factor, but it's gotta be a major factor mm -hmm. and you, you've gotta, you've gotta look at it. You've gotta break it down. If you don't know, talk to somebody that does don't, my thing was I was I was hesitant to ask questions because I was always I was that guy that was like people are going to think you should know this and so I don't want to ask the question and I'm telling them don't be embarrassed ask the questions um, get the answers that you need to get because it's it's you it's your life and I don't think that at 18 you can appreciate the ramifications of that on a credit score when you go to buy your house at 28. I talk right? about this all the time. Our our principal that just retired here. We had seriously a 30 minute conversation one day. And I said, I think the problem in the schools is that no one's teaching about credit. They're not teaching anything about um, loans, mm -hmm. you know, interest, you know, getting your car, this, this, you know, we only learned about in school about uh, balancing a checkbook. Right. That was it. Nobody was talking about, no one's talking about uh, 401k. No right. one's talking about trust funds or, IRAs, any kind of retirement. And I truly think in the credit alone, you could do an entire trimester on all the things that go into that. Absolutely. And no one's doing that. Right. There could be some schools that are, but we don't, we don't offer that. And I think it's, I think you're doing more of a disservice to the kids with that because, you know, like for me, I got out of high school and I was out of high school probably two months and had my first credit card. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I thought I was getting shit for free. You know, I went up to, he got, that thing came in the mail. I activated, I drove right up to Phil's record and, and bought Pink Floyd's The Wall. And who even, I don't even know what the hell else I bought. And then it was like, yeah, that's free. Yeah, okay. That's, and then, but then yeah. the bill starts coming. And, but it just, you know, 
um, like I have one of those Apple cards, right? Mm-hmm. And so every every month you accrue the balance of whatever it is, and then that's the balance due at the end of that that next cycle. Mm-hmm. So if you spend seven hundred dollars, your payment is seven hundred dollars, right? Or else you get the interest payment. So I just pay it. Mm-hmm. So um, not that I paid seven hundred dollars or did seven hundred dollars, <laughs> but you know that first time that I did not pay the full balance and all of a sudden the interest started coming, it was like, what is, what is right. happening here? Right. And it does not take much to get into serious trouble with all that. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what it, that was kind of the point that I was getting at when I talked to the kids is, you know, it, it, it's hard to comprehend yeah. when you're, when you're that young and you're making, um, you know, life decisions, um, from that perspective. So, but yeah, I have that conversation with them all the time. Cause I think it's really important. And here's the other thing I want to ask you before we move on to some of the professional stuff, but kids who are at their school, um, they're committed to a place, they go to a place and then they're unhappy when they get there and they feel trapped or they feel like if I leave, I'm going to disappoint people. Mm-hmm. Right. Or what happens if I don't find another place? Right. And this is my last chance, right? Not every story is like Michael Zimmerman where um, now I bet you there are a bunch of stories like when you left Campbellsville to go to NKU and then everything went, that happened there. But to end up at a place that you were able to play really, really good basketball for three years for a really good coach and a with a really good schedule, that, that shit don't happen all the time. No, it doesn't. And, and there are kids that are places, you know, this since the NCAA transfer portal became like a thing mm-hmm. you, you see it all the time yeah and it doesn't matter what school they're at kids are kids so, you know the only advice that i give is listen if you're when your head hits a pillow at night if you are not content and you are happy or not happy with what's going on only you can change that yes you know yeah and everybody what advice you give a kid like that well everybody's situation's different right i mean um you know, I was one of them guys where I, you know, loyalty is really big to me. So it was really hard for me to leave Campbellsville. Um, like I said, I almost committed out of that kind of sense of loyalty just because, or that sense of duty, because they were there first. Um, and, and the way they came at me, I felt a connection to that. I, I gravitated towards that. And so I wanted to honor that. And so the, the decision to leave was excruciating for me. I mean, you talk about my first big boy moment, walking into that, to that, my coach's office. Um, his name was Thomas Atkins, and he he played for Digger Phelps. I mean, he was he was no slouch on the court, and he was a guy, another guy that he was a hard nosed dude, played played hard, and expected you to be hard nosed like him. And but you want to talk about having your first adult conversation from a realistic standpoint? Me telling him I had to leave, um, and and not 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 being able to com- to be completely myself in terms of why I was leaving was hard. Um, I, you know, because like I said, loyalty is really big to me. And I almost felt like I was, there was some type of, um, uh, like almost a sense of betrayal as weird as that sounds. No, I get it. Um, but I didn't, I didn't want to be tagged as that kid or that guy. Um, so that was hard for me, but, but yeah, everybody's situation is different, right? Um, at the end of the day, kind of to get back to your point of, in, in terms of the advice, you know, if you're not happy, um, it's going to affect every aspect 
yes. that, that, that happens in terms of where you are. You're going to be less likely to go to class. You're going to be mm-hmm. less likely to do well in class. You're going to be less likely to, to, to want to work or put in the extra work outside of, um, you know, outside of practice. It affects every aspect of your being there. It affects the way, you, you know, you interact with other students and your involvement in the school. It, it, it's the ripple effects are huge. You've got to, you've got to be invested um, and if you're not invested, just like with anything in life, um, it's going to be hard for you to be successful there. It's amazing. That's spot on. Mm. And I can't tell you how many kids that I know that not, not kids like from here, but stories that you hear from these kids that go away and some kids go away and they're not super far away, but they're miserable almost as soon as they get there mm-hmm. and it affects everything that goes on. Yeah. And they end up leaving and it works out most of the time, but yeah. sometimes it doesn't work out. Sure. And, and and there's no shame in it. No, there's no shame in it. If you give it the honest chance, yes. right? You yeah. got to give it the honest chance. It but you got to be honest with yourself as well. hundred percent. And, um, and so, but yeah, the last thing you want is, is, you know, is to be miserable and then, you know, be perceived as, as an, un, as an unhappy kid or a bad teammate or a bad student athlete. I mean, because I tell you, I I dealt with it, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't necessarily a homesick thing, but you can probably attest to this: the the biggest malignancy when it comes to a team and the culture and the chemistry is somebody that don't want to be there. Uh, facts. Um, and so as a fact, man, it it will ruin a team. Don't don't I don't care how much been there, man. Is. We've yep. coached we've coached that. Yeah, yeah. Be, let's hear <laughs> cut it. Yep, just cut I don't care how much I don't care it. how much yeah. how, how many how many points a game they score, how talented they are. Um, if they are, that that stuff gets in like an infection and it spreads. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the other thing. The, the beauty of what you did not have to deal with, the social media aspect that kids now mm-hmm. that who are not happy or they think that they could be able to go play somewhere else or uh, I'm not playing enough, I'm going to leave. Just that onslaught of the social media stuff yeah it's terrible it, it's it I is think, the cancer of our culture yeah right now. I, I think i think kids especially young kids perceive that as those as options yeah. right these are options that i have where it's that's not necessarily the case um you know technology and it's and it's obviously its influence and its reach are a double-edged sword because um it one it progresses so rapidly it's it's hard for us as as people that don't keep up with it like even me at 34 um you know i don't know all the latest the, the latest stuff um and so yeah i mean i you know i don't i have facebook but you know that's that's yeah. about it when it comes to it but um you know they it, it's a it's a reality though and it's one of those things where you got to deal with it with young kids because um you know they do they do screen your social media stuff now yeah. they do they will take action um, if, if you know, if you, for and, a variety of reasons. Yeah, I mean, so. it's something that you could have liked right. 10 years ago right? when you were so, you know, or eight years ago when some of these kids got their first phone at 10, 11, 12 years old, that they liked something on Twitter that was insensitive or just flat out awful or maybe something they said. I mean, how many times have you seen these stories come out? Yeah, and, and it is tough. I mean, it is, we we live it. We live in a different time, and um, 
it's, I, I get that. I really do understand it. I do. Yeah, um, just got to got to be careful with it, obviously. And sure. that, and that, I mean, obviously, that you know that that's a look. That, I'm not going to lie to you. There was a time right after I got the name to head coach here, a story had come out somewhere where somebody had tweeted something or something back in like 2012, and this person was just getting just crucified. And I thought, well, it's an, what did I like or anything? Just And I'm telling you, I went back, and there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. There was nothing there. But, like, this panic came through, like, ooh, are people, I mean, is people really looking at that? Right. Um, and, and I can get it, right? I mean, I mean, think about think about the job that you're in. I want to talk about the law stuff now. Yeah. But, you know, just, you know, you're representing not only the county, but, um, I guess the state of Kentucky as well, right? I mean, just, or is that just the county? So we work? are, yeah, we, we, we represent the county. Okay. Um, so we are the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an assistant Commonwealth Attorney. And that Commonwealth Attorney is just another name for a prosecutor got in it. Kentucky. But Michelle is elected. Correct. So if she's got some 34-year-old derelict that in 2010 was tweeting the most awful stuff that ever was or liking, you know, something insensitive yeah i mean it's it's that's out that's You're a, done that's a political position obviously yeah. and so and that's politics that's a political reality so yeah and, and you know i'm one of them guys that are that are hesitant to share a lot i mean i've got pictures on there and that type of stuff um i just it to me it's like it's like with everything else right in moderation mm-hmm. um and so i i try not to I try not to put too much stuff on there, um, but I also don't feel the need to either. Like I don't feel a profound way. sense of like, oh, let me let me throw this on there. And it's not, you know, it's not all bad. You can there's there's a lot of good things that can happen in terms of branding yourself or branding a business or mm-hmm. making connections with people. Um, and and it's it could be a good tool, but it can also be like you said, it can, yeah. you know one thing one or two things could be could be I mean, if you look downfall. at mine prior to the start of the podcast when i would use you know let's say facebook because right. i have this love hate faith with facebook <laughs> it makes me crazy man yeah i have been unfollowing people at this pace that i can't even describe it's been <laughs> awesome it's liberating to be honest with you if i just i just don't want i don't really want people in my life that are going to talk awful things and say nasty things and it's just the way that's how I am, right? Um, that's the same principle as having a having a you know a, a cancer on your team or a bad yeah, teammate. Like you don't thing. want that toxicity is yeah. it affects you. Like I, I miss the days where you could just kind of go on there and see what was going on, right? right I mean, right. Uh, back in the old days when Facebook was when it just started, when yeah. we were the same age. So when, when we were in college, when it came out, yeah, yeah. it was a lot different. Yeah. You know, and I, that's you know I have a I used to work in Florida, so that was how I kept in touch with everybody. Mm-hmm. How, you know, I get, I was able to keep up with everybody by seeing what was going on in their lives. You know, a lot of them were playing college baseball. I was able to follow that. Um, some of them were playing in minor leagues. I was able to follow that. And then all of a sudden, one day, just all this, like, people started bashing this and that. And all of a sudden, the news came in, and th- this happened, and everything just kind of piled on where, like, now I use it only to basically um, send out the podcast stuff. Right, right. You know, and the thing is with the Facebook is that because I've always had a lot of friends on there, um, I, you know, I, I feel like if I don't, again, your brand, you talk about branding that it just, it's going, it'll be 
catastrophic to the brand. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, on Twitter, you know, much fewer followers on that than I have as Facebook friends. And it moves, moves the needle mm-hmm. a lot of times for it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of new kids, you know, everybody's from somewhere, right? You know, right. a lot of the new cat guys that we had on, um, I've got a lot of new cat friends on there. So mm-hmm. they're, they, they check that out, which is good. It's awesome. Um, but it just, in, in general, it just, I just, I can't stand all the negativity and the hate. I just, it just makes me crazy. Yeah. I agree with you. I, you know, I, I'm on it. Uh, probably, you know, as much as, as, as the next person or the next adult my age, but you know, I don't spend a no. ton of time on it. All right. So when did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? Yeah. You know, I, I get that question all the time and I, I, I don't really know, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I wish I could say like, there was this, this kind of like, yeah, this amazing moment where I, I wanted to, to reform the justice system or do, you know, something, um, miraculous in terms of the law or transforming people's lives. And it really wasn't that again, I'm a guy that responds to energy that responds to, um, just kind of, um, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but what I just happen to gravitate towards things. And I'm, I listen to that intuitive part of me. Um, just like with Jason Klein, just like with, with other people. And it was one of those things where I just, um, as I got into my studies, um, you know, I had the, I had, uh, an idea of it, like, you know, back in the day when I was younger, there was always this kind of allure to it. Um, I don't know if it was the way I heard lawyers talk Mm -hmm. or, um, or the way they looked represented themselves. Yeah, sure. Sure. But it was one of those things where like, I just, it was something that I gravitated to from a very early age. And then as I got older, I did a couple classes and then some internships. And and it was one of those things where it's like, I think I could be good at this. Right. Um, and so then on top of that, um, I think I told you about this, you know, I wanted to be a trial lawyer, right? I wanted to be in the courtroom. And um, so much of, of my the athletic side of me paralleled and transitioned um, so well into what I did as a, as a lawyer and particularly as a prosecutor and a trial attorney um, that it, it, it made that it made it almost seamless for me, like the preparation, you know, if you watch a Dateline or an ABC 2020 or whatever you watch, even even a, a courtroom TV show, you, you you just see the trial, right? And it's just like a basketball game. You just see the game, but you don't see the month and a half mm-hmm. that went into it before then. You don't see that this trial didn't take place in a day. It took place over the course of two weeks. And when we got done at the end of the day, we went back to the office and worked to 1130 to prepare for the next day. Yeah. And you don't see your wife and your kids for two weeks. So, um, what about the lead up? What about the lead up to trial? Because sometimes that could be months, right? Years. Yeah, years. Years. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, you know. In the in the in the more serious cases, you know, our murders, um, our sexual assault cases, they they can they can take a very long time because you you're going to have scientific testing and yeah. you're going to have stuff like that that takes a very long time to accomplish and process. Um, so that can be, that can be part of it. Um, but it's, it's kind of the nature of the system, um, that, that we're a part of. 
um, and you just deal with it like you deal with anything else. But yeah, um, leading up to it, the preparation that goes into it, and then as a trial attorney, I get that same buzz and that same high or feeling um, being in the courtroom as if I was on the court. Sure. You, you know what I mean? No, I get it. It's like when we, when you start there, it's the same butterflies that you got before the ball was tipped in the mm -hmm. air and then you're in it. Um, and I get that kind of same sense. And so for me, I like to be in the, I mean, I like to be in the dogfight. And so that, that was a place where I could one have a really, um, from my perspective, at least have the potential to have an effect on people's lives. Um, particularly about people that, that live in a community that I love, that I grew up in, that I never want to leave. And then two, to kind of fulfill that competitive portion of me, um, not from a win-lose standpoint, right? But from a holding myself to a higher standard standpoint, um, because you do, that, that's, that's what it's all about in terms of when you're, when you're preparing in terms of a basketball game or a football game or become a better player, it's the same thing when you're in your professional life. So the, it really allowed, um, it really gave me a lot of the same outlets that I had as a player, um, in my professional life. What are some of the daily struggles that you go through? Is it, I guess, depending on like the case or is that, uh, or is there, are you always working on cases? So yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we maintain an, I mean, I always have an active caseload. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can range anything anywhere from, you know, uh, possession of drugs, which sure. is kind of the lowest level uh, crime that we have in the state of Kentucky, all the way up to murder. Um, I, mean, I have an active um, murder case right now. Um, and then I, you know, I have everything in between. Mm -hmm. So you work your cases on a daily basis. Um, daily struggles are just like anything else in terms of, of, of job stressors you 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 get you feel all the same stressors um or the same type of stress that you will with any other job i guess what's different for ours is that you know we're exposed to a like a seedier element um constantly right um a very negative element so it's kind of the thing that you were talking about with the negativity you don't want to be constantly exposed to negativity because it does have an impact on you and it's it's, it's kind of like that where you're constantly exposed to bad stuff, um, whether it's, you know, a hard child porn case or mm -hmm. whether it's a hard sexual assault case where the, there were particularly brutal injuries, whatever it might be. Um, that stuff weighs on you when you do it every day constantly for a yeah. year or not a year, for, oh, for years. It, um, yeah. so, so that for me, not, um, not internalizing that, right. Not internalizing all that stuff that I, that I see, um, and then bringing it home with me, um, or letting it affect other aspects of my life. That's probably like the biggest struggle. Is it, do you make it personal when you're in a trial and it's something just awful or, or, or do you have to divorce yourself from emotion? You do, you have to divorce yourself from emotion, um, to a point, but you know, I don't know that I've ever been emotionless when it comes to a case. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are times where I'm talking to a jury and I've teared up, right? There sure. are times no. where I can feel myself get fired up and my voice elevate just from the sheer, um, you know, building myself in terms of the emotion. So um, 
you have to evaluate an individual case from an emotionless standpoint. But once you get to a trial and you're in front of a jury, you have to bring emotion with you because it's the only, if you, if I can't make you feel outraged yeah. about what happened, why would you care? And it's also the culmination of what could be years in the making or yes. a year or doesn't matter, right? Yeah. All the, all your work, yeah. that is emotion. That's personal Yeah, time away from family and everything. Else. I mean, how many times do you see athletes after a long season or a championship and they yeah. just have that release, right? Yeah. They cry. And I mean, just grown men, um, kind of having that release and crying and it's kind of the same um kind of the same build up and then the same release when you when you have that and then you're done type thing so if they do a remake of like a few good men i'm gonna call somebody and get michael i've been thinking about that the whole time <laughs> no, seriously man. i'm not lying you look like my you favorite still, movies you look like you still play but <laughs> but i think that i'm sorry go ahead no no you I look like played you still, in a while. oh you look like you could still play but you know for just a the common person we see law on TV, right? You know, knock wood, gosh almighty, that none of us ever see law and order right up in front of our face. Right. Um, but I, I definitely see that. I mean, there, I'm, I guess like, you know, if you, going back to Michelle, you know, I talked about that she means business, mm -hmm. you know, she, when I was on grand jury there, I can't remember the actual case that we were had, you know, um, we had this slum Lord case, this ridiculous Dayton, Kentucky slumlord that was, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but she had, there was some passion, like the way this dad was a piece of shit, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know what the hell was going on in the house, but you know, I don't remember it, but there was passion there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how long she, and, and she, and from what I remember, a grand jury, that, that was not even, a whole lot of time into the process of this. That's kind of in the beginning, right? So, uh, we yeah. were grand jury is the very beginning. beginning yeah. yeah. And there was passion there. So obviously it was probably something that they were investigating or they were a part of an investigation. Maybe, I don't know, maybe police was, were doing mm -hmm. it and whatever. Um, we also did a lot of work with the Northern Kentucky drug task force mm -hmm. and they were in Oh five was kind of, I want to say the beginning, the beginning time of the Northern Kentucky drug task force. And dude, like there were dudes that I went to high school with. Yeah, that were rolling in here with their mullet, and I'm like, "What the hell is happening to you?" <laughs> I thought they were in trouble, but they were the officer, right? And you know, some and at the time, man, some of that, some of that parts of Newport, that West Newport, was just not good. Yeah, and some of the things that were happening, and they were terrible. A lot of passion. Yeah, well, and that's again, you know, that's it's what makes um, it, it's what makes Michelle such a great advocate mm -hmm. in the courtroom, yeah. and kind of going back to that, you know it is hard because the analysis of a case and whether to proceed on a case is one consideration. Right. But then, um, you know, I don't know how you, um, you know, you look at, um, like a crime perpetrated against a child. Like, I don't know how you look at that and be like, I've got to look at this without feeling anything. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's impossible. Well, yeah. Especially when you have kids. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's like everything else. You've got to temper it, and then you've got to channel it, mm -hmm. um, and and so that that's a that's also a constant struggle. But again, I'm I'm I feel fortunate to do something that makes me feel something. If that makes sense, sure. I mean that I don't know what it's like to go to work um, and for an extended period of time not feel like that kind of 
those butterflies or that, I get it. that, that, that feeling in your stomach mm-hmm. that kind of makes you want to get up and do what you do. Was it like the first time you had a, your first trial and, uh, walking in that courtroom, was it just, did you feel like you wanted to puke? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It, uh, my first trial was actually, um, a juvenile case. It was a juvenile rape case mm. in Montgomery County, Ohio. And, um, it involved the rape of a mentally handicapped girl. And, um, it, it was, you know, I still consider myself at the time. Like I, I just, you know, I wasn't ready. Yeah. I wasn't ready to deal with that in terms of, um, like the toll of it. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, you're, you're, it's like I said, it's, it's that, it's that big game type feeling. And it's even more pronounced in a situation like this because, the stakes are so much higher. Yes. Um, you know, you win or lose a basketball game. That's one thing, but you know, we take, we take not only, um, the prosecution of an individual very seriously, um, in terms of on, from one standpoint, um, making sure that justice is done, yeah. but two, um, being an, an effective advocate for victims of crime. Agreed. And so, so, those are just things that that we deal with on a daily basis, and yeah, it it it's the the stakes become all of a sudden when you realize what what the stakes are. Um, obviously, that that punch, that gut in the punch or the uh, punch, punch in the, the gut, gut feeling, yeah. it, it's it definitely is more pronounced. What are your goals in this in this line of work right now? You know, you, well, okay. Let me ask you this. Yeah. But let me, okay, I don't mean to cut you off there, but no, just thinking like. Um, Okay, two things. Yeah. Will it always be the offensive side for you instead of being on the defensive side? Do you like, because, you know, kind of like when you were playing, you didn't want to play defense. Mm-hmm. You just wanted to shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, right now you're, you know, you're the offensive guy. You're, you know, you're prosecuting it. Right. And there is a challenge to that because, you, you know, from what I know just from TV and documentaries, it is your um, responsibility to, to prove this, where it's the defense's job to say, well, know about that right I right mean, you talk about some cd of the stuff but uh but i was just curious like what are you know what is, is this something that you think you could go into like um like so one day michelle when she's the governor you know you would want to be the <laughs> yeah no she's that sharp like legit, yeah. she's that sharp hey it wouldn't surprise me no at least. but you know is that something that maybe that is a goal like to get in the political end of that you know um i never say never right mm-hmm. i mean I doing what I've done for the past five years, I at this point can't imagine doing anything else. Um, because if, if it's not a parent coming through the way I'm talking about mm-hmm. it, I sure. do, I do love it. Um, so I can't necessarily imagine myself doing anything else. Now there's always kind of, um, professional realities or, um, political realities that, that could, make that less likely or even more likely, but kind of, it's kind of a time will tell type thing. Yeah. All I can say is fro is that, you know, you like me, right? I grew up in, in, in Newport. I grew up in Campbell County and I've lived in three different States and I've lived away from home and I lived here and, and I love this place. Sure. And I love the people here and, for me to get the chance to to stand up in what I considered hollowed ground inside of a courtroom and, and where, you know, 
people's lives are at stake and I get to advocate for the community that You're I love. You're representing your people. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, there's nothing better yeah. to me. So I can't imagine doing myself anything. I can't see myself doing anything else, but you know, I've got two kids too. So sure, we'll, no, I get it. Yeah, I we'll, totally understand we'll see what that. happens. I totally understand that. Yeah. Do, do you ever talk, do they t- ask you about, does your older daughter ask you about being a lawyer? She, she understand that? No, she understands that I work with policemen essentially. Gotcha. So, um, or officers as she likes to call them <laughs> with an H. So she calls them officers. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it, um, she, she gets, um, that, that, um, I mean, how do you break it down for a kid? No, you I don't. work with police you officers don't. and I try to put, I try to put the bad guys in jail yeah. and, and, um, that's not to say that every criminal defendant is bad or anybody that no, ever gets in no, trouble is bad, it. but it's, the, it's the way that I break it down to her. Really because, good people make terrible yeah. decisions and, yeah. you know, what's the team like? Do you, do you, do you like that team atmosphere with, in, within the, uh, I, I tell you, I mean, it, and I, this is what I always keep bringing back to, to the, to the sports as related aspect of this podcast, because I, I, I want to tie that in because yeah. I think it, it fits so well, but there you really do feel like you're a part of something bigger and and working with people that that kind of have that common goal and common connection yeah it makes it makes what you do or how you feel about what you do all the more important so yeah i love i love that feeling being that you're that you feel like you're part of uh, something bigger and it and that kind of as a team that's what you do you always feel like you're part of it's it's not you it's not the individual goal it's it's what the it's what the overall goal is so yeah i love that aspect of it Dude, I'm really grateful you came on here tonight, taking um, this busy time out. No, I, like I said, this is something, this is something super cool. Um, uh, you know, if uh, this was around when I was in high school, I would be glued to this stuff. I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes mm-hmm. like we, to that kind of stuff. We got a lot of high school kids that are listening. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we, you know, we, I feel kind of weird, like, okay, so I guess, what was that, Jeremy? The first, after our first week um they had the mr and miss basketball in the state of kentucky and i had gotten the um the young lady out at ryle maddie Shearer, and i wanted to have her on as a guest because i thought wow hey this would be this would be great to have her but i'll be honest with you after a few days i was thinking i don't really know if i want to what do i have in common with a 17 18 year old girl or you know even thinking about like if you had current players on so i kind of like the format that we have just because it you know I think anybody can relate to that. Obviously, I think you could grow the you can grow the reach by having players on, but uh, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about it that way, but you know, then you then you get into this struggle of, well, you know, they need to have somebody with them. Right. Somebody needs to come with them, you know, because I'm not going to go to their house. Right. You know, oh, we could do it at the, you know, in the school locker room, I guess, or something like that. It just there's so much goes into and it. worried about conflicting interests with that yeah, as well. That's true. Know? Well, no, I mean, look, it, just the fact that, that they're listening to it and they're exposed to it is great. I mean, I, I used to listen to, um, you know, my dad had these old cassette tapes of his games being announced when he played for Newport High School, um, like his actual games were broadcast. And so they were on the old cassette tapes. And so even when I was in high school, that was outdated, but I was plugging them in and I was listening to that stuff. So I, I love, you know, I think one of the things that kind of growing up the way I did in the family that I did, and then ultimately going to New Kath is, is you, your appreciation for the people that came before you and the history and the historical context in which you come up, 
you you appreciate that a lot a lot more at least I did and so learning about guys that um, for example like Chris Lofton who I played against as a kid or um, guys that I just like heard about like somebody like Joe Fredericks who you also had yeah. on I, I just didn't know um, even and I'm 34 and and I like that kind of stuff and I didn't know it so it's been it's been a, a tremendous pleasure to be able to listen to this stuff and 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 hear kind of other people in the community talk about the Northern Kentucky community and, and feel the way that we feel. About I think it. that's the biggest takeaway that I get from people is, uh, I had no idea about that. You know, yeah. that this person went through this and you know, when it all started, I think with Eric Russell at first, uh, that first week we had Eric on and he just talked about some of the struggles that he was going through personally towards the end of his time at Newport. He loved his time in Newport, but like anything else it runs, things run their course. Yeah. And I mean, people were blown away by that. Yeah. In every episode, minus a couple that were more just informative, uh, every episode that it's just told someone's story has been that way. People are like, damn, man. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, like Jimmy, I can't tell you how many emails and texts and calls that I've gotten about Jimmy's episode. <clears throat> and just one of the things was just, you know, with him being open, like when he was talking about the interaction with him and Grant, at first I was like, oh, yeah. But then it was like, you know, hey, man. Who hasn't had that happen to you? Hundred like, percent, uh, right? I mean, look where we're from, cat. I mean, that that's every day. You know that if you if you deserved it, I should say, right? I mean, even if some, you know, sometimes yeah. we did. Well, you know, it, it's funny that you bring it up because I was one of the funny stories that that I was thinking about when you were because I listened to Jimmy's episode and, mm -hmm. and obviously you talked about pretty lovingly about South Newport, but yeah. also and Jimmy did too, but kind of the time and you were a little bit before me, but even the time in which I came up, it was so much different. Yes. And um, kind of where you made your bones, right? Um, and, and you know, I'll never forget this. You guys were talking about St. Vincent, and I remember my first fist fight. I was nine years old. It came at the bottom of the hill um, outside St. Vincent, <laughs> and it's fun. It's funny. My dad drove me there. Yeah. Ooh, um, okay. Wow. Well, we were get, we were getting into it and and you know it's right down the hill from Amelia yeah. so we got insulted and we walked back up to Amelia and I'm thinking the whole time like like you said you, you can't let people do that to you and uh and so yeah dad drove me back down and had my first little fight right down there on 18th street in Newport right of passage right of passage right there were good days to fight We've, trust me I've been in many <laughs> many fights up there so but yeah it's it's but but again, hearing those personal kind of accounts, like mm -hmm. you said, it's I think it's what I think it's what is drawing people so far, and will continue to draw people. Well, our our guests are public figures within their communities, so you know everybody kind of knows who they are, where they're from. But getting to hear those stories and you know knowing them other than just the basketball coach or the former player or you know the attorney in town or whatever that may be, couldn't agree more. Well, Michael, I really appreciate it, my brother. So, hey, I like I said, it was an absolute pleasure, and uh, I will be a um, a subscriber and a listener yeah. as long as you hey, have. Hey, spread it. the word, man. No doubt. Well, Michael Zimmerman, everybody, a new cat thoroughbred, Park University pirate, scholar athlete, big time lawyer. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thanks.